Greetings, fellow visitors. This is Upgrade Terminal, a Star of Providence fancast. I'm Malachi. And I'm Nick. Welcome back to the facility. Good evening, Nick. Hello. Spooky season is upon us. So it would seem. We normally ask each other about something nice that happened to us this week. Mm-hmm. We're going to change it up. I want to ask you, uh, not if anything spooky happened to you this week, but do you like spooky stories in general? Not particularly, no. It is not the kind of story that I look for. Mm. Did you ever read uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as a kid? Is that a specific book? Yes. It's a specific no. book series. Oh, I man. have not. <gasps> oh, you'll you'll have to look that up at some point because it's got some of the creepiest art uh, I've ever seen. It, those images are like burned into my mind. <laughs> Lots of good stories too. But do you have any spooky stories of your own? Well... I don't have a. I've never had much in the way of spooky experiences. Certainly, but I've certainly had spooky dreams mm. or nightmares. The ones that I remember the most vividly are nightmares in which I am aware that it is a nightmare, so it's kind of a lucid dream. Okay. But, and I am trying to wake up from the nightmare. I'm trying to sort of you know get myself out of it you know mm-hmm. like you know you pinch yourself or you do all these sorts of actions that would sort of snap you out of it mm-hmm. but within the dream itself the dream prevents me from doing that it like i've had dreams where like i'm trying to like you know th- like throw myself at something <laughs> and then like i think i think this like mysterious lady just makes all my muscles tense and freeze and i can't move and it's like no, you have to stay here in this nightmare a little longer. Maybe she's like, if you leave, I die. The nightmare ends. That's that's an existential dread. And thankfully, this one didn't have that. It was just a sense of, I am in a nightmare and I want to wake up and I it will not allow me. Wow. Yeah, that's the worst kind of lucid dream. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, some, of course, the question is, well, if, it's a, if you realize it's a nightmare, why don't you just make it better? It's a nightmare. I'm scared. I'm terrified. I'm not thinking straight. I just want out. <laughs> yeah. You want to escape. What about you? Do you have spooky stories? I I have several stories, several experiences in my life that I would classify as a little bit spooky. Um, but I'm not going to share them all. I'm only going to share one because, uh, you know, we the point of this podcast isn't for me to tell spooky stories, but... Um, The first thing I'll say is I didn't experience sleep paralysis in my life until, I want to say, four or five years ago. Hmm. Um, Relatively recent. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, in the, uh, both instances happened in the last seven years. I've heard that you are more likely to experience sleep paralysis when you're extremely tired. Um, And so I experienced, uh, my job is really busy in the summer. And that is when Mm -hmm. I experienced sleep paralysis. Very scary experience. You know, just uh, sleep paralysis, you wake up, um, your your body secretes something that keeps you from moving and acting out your dreams when you sleep. And so sleep paralysis is when you wake up and that 
has yet to dissipate within your body. So you can't move and you panic <laughs> and you hear and see very scary things. So uh, the, the times that that has happened to me, it's been absolutely terrifying. I thought that there was some sort of person in my house uh, standing right over my bed, looking down at me. It was mm. terrifying. I was home alone at the time too. And uh, I called someone close to me and was taught when I could finally move, I called them and was talking to them. And after talking to them for about 20 seconds, I realized, oh my gosh, there isn't someone in my house. And that was sleep paralysis. <laughs> the, the second layer of the horror is like, I was talking to somebody, but there's nobody here. Yes, it was, it was very scary. In the last few years, one of the scariest things that happened to me is I was hiking up alone in the woods and mm. I was on an eight mile hike. So it was four miles in, four miles out. And I went in all the way to the lake and there were some people camping at the lake, uh, just two guys up there fishing. And mm -hmm. as I was walking back out, there was a portion of the trail that had uh, experienced a wildfire a few years before. So all the trees were burnt out and I could see really far in every direction. Mm -hmm. And all the trees that were left standing didn't have a lot of branches. They were just like these tall black burnout husks, right? So I picked up a stick and as I was walking, I was kind of humming to myself and uh, I started bouncing the stick off the tree trunks as I passed them. And mm -hmm. because of the nature of that clearing, it would kind of echo. Mm -hmm. And as I got halfway through, I, uh, I smacked a tree and then over behind me, um, I heard a, I heard another smack, another stick smack onto a tree. I was like, huh, that was a really loud echo. And uh, so mm -hmm. I kept walking, I hit another tree, and then I heard that again. And I was like, that is not an echo. <laughs> so being very curious, I hit the stick on the tree in a rhythm. So like, mm -hmm. cock, cock, cock. and then there was a pause. So it wasn't an echo. And I heard it again, the same cock, cock, cock. Nick, I dropped my stick and I ran. <laughs> I was terrified. And this, it wasn't a, kind of like a supernatural fear. I mean, it could have just been a person, but yeah. I didn't care. That was extremely terrifying to me. I was like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got to my car as the sun was setting. I jumped in, locked the doors <laughs> and uh, drove the seven miles back to the main road. But yeah, I, I think uh, that's probably one of the scariest things that's happened to me recently. That I, I'm, I'm trying to picture the scene, like the environment mm -hmm. of all the burnt out trees and like s being able to see for, for quite a long distance. That's a very vivid environment and perfect for feelings of unease. Yeah, and you know, I looked around and I was like, man, if someone was out here, I should be able to see them unless they're like hiding behind a tree. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing was, is, I mean, there weren't a lot of trail, a lot of cars at the trailhead and there were only two guys mm -hmm. camping up there, you know? So, but anyway, it's, it's pretty easy to uh, psych yourself out uh, in the middle of the woods. Definitely. Well, with spooky season comes a pretty significant change within star of Providence. It's candy day, candy time. 
Well, it's more like Candy Week, really. Yeah, fair. <laughs> For a week, which ends in Halloween, HP items, most of them, are replaced by candy versions, which is a lovely treat. Yes, and uh, I think Candy Corn is one of them, right? Yeah, the 1 HP turns into Candy Corn. 2 HP becomes a candy bar. A full plus 1 max HP becomes a Sunday, And... The flan is still just a flan. It's it's still a flan. Hmm. Isn't there one that's like a wrapped piece of candy? I think that might be a one HP part, mm, maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. Candy corn. Uh, what do you think? You like candy corn or no? I have never eaten candy corn in my life. Well, consider yourself lucky. That stuff's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally wax, so I don't mind picking it up in Star Providence, but I do mind picking it up in real life. Unless it's to throw it in a garbage can, then I don't mind picking it up. <laughs> I, I'm a bit confused as to why this candy is like a staple of the season, and yet it's so bad. It's just awful. For as many people like me that hate it, there are just mm -hmm. as many people that like it. But I'm convinced... <laughs> This is a this is a candy corn tangent we're on here, but I'm convinced that candy corn continues to exist simply because it existed when people were young and they have a nostalgia for it. Not for the candy itself, but for like eating it as a kid. <laughs> I'll never be able to prove this theory, but I feel like it just those that company stays in business because people buy it simply for the nostalgia. Hmm. I, I suppose I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this this is a seasonal change, the only seasonal change in Star of Providence. Um, how do you normally, uh, do you normally enjoy seasonal changes in games, Nick? Not typically, no, mm -hmm. not really. It, I'm not much of a seasonal person in that regard. I, I will say I don't really usually like them either. Um, in fact, I just saw today like a PUBG advertisement. You know, player unknowns battlegrounds, and it was like yeah, yeah, Halloween yeah. zone, and there's like jack o' lanterns, and I just I'm like no, it it doesn't make any sense. It like it rips me out of the the world of the game. It just seems silly to you. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, usually when I play a video game, and we've talked a little bit about this, but I really like to get into the world. Right. Um, I step into a video game and I'm hoping to step into another world. If stuff from my world, my boring ass world appears in that game, uh, I'm not always super happy about that. <laughs> it doesn't always, it just doesn't gel. And Star of Providence is actually an exception, um, even though I don't like candy corn, because it's not explicitly Halloween. So there's no jack-o'-lanterns, you know, um, mm -hmm. there are ghosts, but it, <laughs> they were there it's before. Not, it's not filled with stereotypical Halloween imagery. Yeah, and it's not obnoxious, right? Mm -hmm. Like, an obnoxious seasonal change would be you come into the hub and uh, Kleins has a, you know, a mask on and there's jack-o'-lanterns and, you know, I, I just, I would not like that. You, you like that it doesn't make a big deal out of it. It's just a subtle thing. And it doesn't try to draw attention to it. Yeah, no one's commenting on it. NPCs aren't saying, Happy Halloween. It's just, a, it's just a nice little subtle nod. And 
I don't know who on the dev team loves Halloween, but I need to ask them about that because somebody obviously loves the season enough to put in um, a special seasonal change. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we'll. I guess we should look into it. In the past, you and I have talked about scenes in in the game Star of Providence and how um, you know it has a, a cutesy exterior, but really the story that the game is telling is a very emotional one. And I think that there are some pretty horrifying things that happen in the game and uh, things mm-hmm. that have happened in the lore. So I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what do you think is the scariest thing in Star of Providence? That's a good question. What is the scariest thing? I mean, to some extent, that kind of depends on what scares you, mm-hmm. right? F- like fear and horror are still very subjective things. So I can I can tell you what I find the scariest thing in the game, or like certainly something that's up there. Mm-hmm. And... It, if I had to summarize it in in a word, it would be a creeping sense of dread about this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? Because as you start the game, you're in floor one. You know it's cheerful music. You know the you know the you're having a good time. Enemies are kind of cutesy and like oh they're just like little ghosties and little crawlers and sentinels and all that stuff. It's very you know very very cheerful in a sense. But as you start to go down the floors, the music gets more serious. The enemies start tipping you off that this is that there's something going on here. And I feel this really gets amplified when you reach the sanctum, floor five, mm-hmm. when you start seeing the backgrounds of like the cultists and sort of the murals about monolith, and you get this sense of like something happened here. Yeah. You're not exactly sure what it is, but this facility is ground zero for something very important that happened here. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into floor six, the, the forbidden floor, as it were, that's when you realize that this place has been irrevocably scarred by something. Hmm. The architecture itself is hostile. Like, the walls come alive to destroy you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whereas before you had, you could sort of identify what was surrounding you. Like, you had, you know, it's, you know, it's an excavation. It's archives. It's a maintenance system. Down here, you lose all sense of that. It is just a place that has been transformed by the power eternal. Mm-hmm. So you get the sense that the deeper you go, you are approaching something that ha- that is slowly corrupting everything around it. It is a kind of like this malicious force that is seeping and creeping into every part of the floors. Mm-hmm. And you're just sort of coming closer and closer to the source of it. You know, the seals, the fact that you have to get the seals to unlock floor six, uh, I think they add to what you're saying because, Mm. you know, if there are four 
locks on a door and mm-hmm. people are trying to kill you to stop you from getting the keys to that door, you know, it really builds up that dread of like, what is down there? Why was it sealed away? Yeah, and sealed away so thoroughly that, you know, you have to fight this overlord, this very tough boss, and then two of the council members themselves try and stop you. Mm-hmm. Like this idea, like you can, like you, they, it is trying so hard to keep you from going down there, and you are still trying to break through. Mm-hmm. And related to that, you also have Temple, like you have the warden who has sealed and imprisoned Chaos God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're trying to just sort of defeat Warden. And it says, when you defeat him at full power, he says, don't let it escape. Yeah. As you're about to face one of the most powerful and terrifying things in the game, in a sense. Yes. Yeah, the only question you ask after hearing that is, don't let what escape? (laughs) And very quickly, you find out exactly what it is. And it is definitely something worth sealing. Mm Mm-hmm. And for me, this whole journey of, like, the deeper you go, the more you see this place that has been warped around it. It is this, It gives you this feeling of, like, you're slowly, this slow, dawning realization. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it, it's, it's, it's a subtle thing, little by little. You hear things about the council, the machine, the ritual that they attempted you kind of start putting you have all these pieces that you know you can't quite connect them directly but they all sort of point you at something horrible happened here a million souls have lost their home and now there is just this that remains and it is it is a sub subtle slow thing Mm -hmm. But it is very powerful, you know, and you eventually come to learn the council tried to tap into a power to grant them everlasting life. But as one does, they either didn't. (laughs) Yeah, as one does, (laughs) they tried to tap into it, but they either didn't understand it or couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. And the end result has been a calamity. Even the power eternal itself, it is. The, the term I would use is something like cosmic horror. This feeling like there is some very powerful and unknowable force or being mm-hmm. out there that is capable of so much destruction. And to it, you are utterly insignificant. Mm-hmm. You are surrounded by this this again this force this being from another dimension from the eternal domain perhaps and it dwarfs you and it has so much power and in the end it seems like it ends up utterly consum- consuming null mm-hmm. null tries to tap into it and it takes over them and that's sort of like well, we return to the climax that we talk about so many times, but like that—that that is the conclusion. Like the power tunnel corrupts you or the player character directly, and so this is kind of the thing—the this creeping dread and the slow realization of all this that I find gives it this very this wonderful sense of dread 
that accumulates over time. And I, I have a lot of respect for it. Yeah, well said. Um, that that is for me one of the most effective types of horror. The thing that I think is scary as well is is also a kind of dread, but it's kind of the dread of a fate that you can't escape. Specifically, Noel, Noel, and the player. You know, you feel like you're you're making choices as you, as you progress through the facility. But uh, we've t- we talked about this once before, Nick, and you pointed something out to me that I hadn't realized. But when you enter an upgrade terminal, you can't mm-hmm. choose to exit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, obviously it's a game, but within the narrative of the game, that's kind of a creepy thing because it's like, okay, Noel is, is being led along by the power eternal deeper and deeper into the facility, being promised uh, power beyond their wildest imagination. Now, obviously some of this mm-hmm. is a little bit of headcanon of mine, but conjecture. Yeah, conjecture. But I think it's really kind of terrifying to think about a fate that you can't really control and the illusion of free will. Why do I find this terrifying? I think it's like a thought that robs life of meaning. Because mm-hmm. if I think about me, I'm kind of the sum of all my decisions, right? You know, what I choose to wear, what I choose to play, the company I keep, all of these things. If all of these decisions are actually out of my control and I, there is no such thing as free will. I don't really know who I am or what I am. And if I can't change my fate or um, I can't impact the people around me, um, which is something I also think is very valuable in life, like what's the point of anything? <laughs> I mean, it seems to me like to you it is terrifying because it makes you feel in a sense powerless. Exactly. And the the interesting thing about that is like it's the it's the exact inverse of power eternal, right? So mm-hmm. if I I'm chasing I'm chasing this thing, Nola's chasing this power eternal, but if they're being led there, then yes, they are powerless. They're powerless to stop what's coming, they're powerless to acquire power. It it was it's a zero sum game. They had, they had lost from the start. I mean it's kind of irony in the sense that the the promise of power leads you to something that will not give you any power at all. It has, in a sense, you've already been doomed right from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are fated to succumb, and you have no way of changing that. Yeah. And I think uh, in day-to-day life, you know, I mean, this is a thought that I gives me dread and is a little terrifying. But, I mean, human beings are really, really good at, at not thinking about death and existential questions. <laughs> So in my day-to-day life, um, it's not something that I dwell on. But if I, you know, when I sit down and I think about it, uh, you know, it's a, it would be pretty disturbing if free will did not exist. <laughs> I think there's actually a character in the game that expresses this pretty well. If you get, mm-hmm. I think you have to have the sunglass, the sunglasses uh, cartridge. So you can get the shop on floor six, but you can run into the ascended one. That would be the challenger of floor six. So it would also have to spawn randomly, but it does happen. Yeah. The ascended one is a creepy looking fella in a cloak. If you talk to him in the shop, he says, your quest is futile. Power eternal exists outside of time. All of us have already perished. And uh, mm-hmm. the first time I read that, I was like, damn, 
<laughs> because I think it kind of speaks to like, he's just like, why, why are you even doing any of this? You know, because, because fate says so. Yeah. What's funny, because then you could ask ascended one, like, well, why are you fighting back then, bro? Just <laughs> because fate says so. <laughs> yeah, just die and give me my unique weapon. <laughs> it, it's this kind of, um, there, there, there's a word for I'm looking for, but this, um, it is that sense of futility that no matter what you do, it is written. Mm-hmm. So you know you you don't have it. You you have no control and no impact. Mm-hmm. And like uh, determinism. Yeah, determinism. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's like events are completely determined by previously existing causes. Yeah, like like the 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 future is a completely inevitable result of the past. Yeah, it's a bleak thought. But it it kind of suits the game where, in a sense, the ending of the game is already written. Null will take the power eternal and will be destroyed by D13. Yes. And, you know, to be clear, I love this aspect of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I love this dread that it brings because I really respect the narrative as well. And I think that people might not give it enough credit on first glance because of the exterior, the, the coding you know the the mm-hmm. the cute pixel coding on this game, but it has a really really well thought out narrative. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is the result of like years of development and apparent, and we all know like there's still more to come eventually in the future. So oh yeah, so it's we know that there is a lot a lot that the devs want to say. It's just that it's probably going to be either cryptic or a matter of slowly uncovering piece by piece to get a to get a sense of what the full picture even is. I I'm pretty confident that confident that this kind of horror that we're talking about will persist in the game's narrative. And in fact, I hope so. In, and in fact, maybe it will only become more horrifying when we realize uh, what exactly is happening or what exactly happened. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> absolutely like to be clear that's why i called it wonderful sense of dread like it is horrifying as like a something to ex from the character's point of view but as someone who is experiencing it it is i admire the work that went into it to make it so well done Thanks so much for listening to our Star of Providence fancast. Big thanks to Garoslaw for allowing us to use his music and sound effects. Be sure to check out all of the Star of Providence soundtracks on his Bandcamp page, including the base game soundtrack, the Relics of the Past DLC soundtrack, and the 5th Anniversary Edition soundtrack. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, or spooky stories of your own, you can reach out to us on our Discord server. We will post the server link in the show description. And there you will find fellow pilots to talk with and discuss the show. Thanks for listening. We'll hope you join us next time. This is what you came for, isn't it? So be it.